I think we're live now. It's uh, No Driving Gloves. It's another happy Wednesday. We bounce between Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Busy people. We're going to try something interesting tonight, something we've talked about doing in the past. Behind me, I guess, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I look like a guy on YouTube pointing to the wrong side. But five minutes, we're going to throw out topics. And or we're going to somebody's going to bring up something. We're going to discuss it for five minutes and we're done. And then we walk away and do something else. So hopefully we can cover 10 or 12 different things in the next hour. Or otherwise, it's just going to get boring and we're going to really go down a rabbit hole. And I told the guys anything in the last 179 episodes can be recovered. Would it be recovered? That sounds very upholstery like. So. I guess or like we're going to save something like oh yeah. we recovered it yeah so I'm not uh, I'm not seeing it live on Facebook John uh, it should be there it takes uh, a minute oh here we go yeah I see it well not knowing how to use technology no it just showed up it says just now yeah it, it takes it a minute or two and then it's just about a 15 second delay but. yep yep now, what we can't pick on Will, Will has some of the best internet among the three of us, no matter yeah. what any of us. And I, and I live in the country, too, yeah, so, yeah. I live here in the city. We Regular couldn't even broadcast last night because I had no power, nor, well, actually, I had internet, but I had no power. So, we would have only been able to broadcast as long as my batteries here lasted. But I'm going to throw out my first kind of bitch or complaint. We'll talk about it for five minutes, and <clears throat> then we can go on to something else. If we get done with it before five minutes, we get done with it before five minutes. So John loses the game and gets yeah, a party yeah. gift. Why do people love to buy... We, we have these shirts, I guess, that say, fast driver, fast car. And fast car is always a straight-line drag strip. Fast drivers going through these solemn cones and all of this and twisting and turning. But then when we go, we drive and we take our little sporty cars to twisty, turny roads, we try to make them as straight as possible. Isn't the challenge to try to keep it between the lines and not see how often we cross over? Am I missing something? I much more enjoy trying to keep my car, since I'm in America, on the right side of the solid yellow lines in the middle of the road. Okay, so... You're saying that the challenge should be to prove that you're not just a good driver on a closed circuit road course where you can actually hit the apex and and do everything you're supposed to do. Rather, when you're on the street, the challenge should be to keep it in your own lane. Well, the challenge would be hitting the apex, but in your own lane. Why do I want to straight line all these curvy corners? Uh, I'm I'm seeking well, out curvy roads. The curvy apex roads. always isn't in your lane. There is an apex in my lane, though. Well, why I do I? Why do I want to go? Just because there's roadway there, why do I? Why does everybody feel the need? I mean, you take Tail of the Dragon, which is what 318 turns, and the fastest guys on there are driving it as straight as possible. I think the challenge there is to stay in your lane and go as fast as you can without crossing that yellow line. You pretend the oncoming lane isn't even there. I just, it's, it, I don't know. It just annoys me. I mean, I guess plus, I, plus I, it's a I, safety I see your thing. point. Yeah. I mean, I see your point. If it's not a closed course, you should be 
uh, you know, you should be basically envisioning envisioning this track as a, a one lane track that you are trying to be the most successful at. So I would say I, 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 I get your point and I, I would agree. I think if you're, if you're going to be a, a, a great driver, then yeah, follow the rules of the road and stay in your lane and be a great driver. When you're, when you're, when you're racing, there are no rules. I mean, the, the whole point of racing is to get from point A to point B in the shortest amount of time, whatever you got to do to get there. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm going to cut every corner. I'm going to do what I got to do to get there first. But there are even rules in racing and some courses you can't drop four wheels below the white line. You can't. Right. And if that's the rules, that's if that's the rules, that's the rules. But I'm not going to go farther around the track just because I want to, to prove I'm better than you. If I'm in front of you, I'm better than you anyway. So what does it matter? (laughs) But I'm saying more on public roadways. So you've got to play by that, that racetrack's rules. Well, you're not playing by the rules anyway because you're racing on the street. So I'm not, I'm not you're already the breaking street. the law, so just go for it. I'm not racing on the street. I'm just driving as fast as possible on the street. If I say I'm racing on the street, it quickly becomes a felony. All right, so you're already breaking the speed limit, so might as well cross that yellow line a little bit and <laughs> cut that corner off a little bit and beat your buddy. But why didn't I just buy a car that goes in a straight line at that point? Why did because I buy a car that's handle is designed to handle corners better? So I don't know if you've ever been to the tail of the dragon, but even yeah. if you straighten out a curve, you're still turning. You're not going straight. So, but the idea of an apex in a corner is to make that corner as straight as possible. Right, because you can get around it faster, and the whole point of racing is to win. But the whole point of going and seeking out these twisty roads is to have fun with your car turning right and left that's why and I, I, and I and i agree with that but if it's a competition you are to win that competition not to play second in that competition if you ain't first you're last there you go well i i can go with that but i just i just don't understand why not add the additional challenge to me it's it's cheating let's play by some of those parameters but <laughs> it's not cheating until you get caught Okay. Yeah. There you go. Five minutes. We're we're, we're done. Who's going to start again? I got to move my cursor all the way across my screens. Somebody go. I think it's Will's turn. All right. I'll go. Um, C8 or C7. I know we've talked about it a lot, but. I've seen seven of things today and I've seen eight eight of things today. I mean, I I see seven and I see eight. (laughs) You see C7 and C8 till you're blue in the face. But seven, eight, nine, right? Yeah. What's the C nine going to be? <laughs> well, that's a good question, isn't it? Is it is it gonna is it gonna be a starship? You know, and be able to go to outer space like all these other people are wanting to do? It's gonna be a well. Yeah, I mean, technically, if we ever truly get the space force together, there could be a Corvette spaceship because I mean, Corvette is actually a type of warship. So they could they could make a classification of spaceship that was a Corvette. I mean, I see a Pontiac Fiero go into outer space this weekend. So I, I, I missed that one, but I was going to. You got to go. You got to go watch a movie to see it happen. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, we're we're not going to remember. Uh, the, the you know I can't remember what's his name, Dwayne, and um, I can't think of his name, Dwayne. Johnson, who's, The Rock. Yeah. yeah, this was supposed to be his breakout movie, and you know you're going to blah blah blah. That's the one with Dwayne Johnson. No, it's the one with the they go to space. Terrible. It was terrible. (laughs) Not to change the whole point of the conversation. No, I saw something else. The ultimate kit car. So earlier this week. Do what? I saw something else go to space. Was it earlier this week or last week? But oh yeah, we we talked about that last week, Derek. I made reference to Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Okay, so moving on. Um, <laughs> We're not moving on. Yeah, we got two, so, two, we uh, had almost three minutes to discuss Will's thing here that I already forgot what his uh, topic was. Um, boy, are you, do you prefer the C7 or have you migrated over to the C8? I've always – I've yeah, never man. found the C8 an ugly car. Um, I haven't dr- had the opportunity to drive one yet, but – Mid-engine's better. I'm sorry. Um, so, so you think the C8's an ugly car? No, I think it's a. I think it's an attractive no, car. It's a nice car. Yeah, oh, I thought you it, said it, it was an ugly car. Okay. No, it's an attractive car. The C7 was to me a very busy car. I actually had a post from 2012 or 2013 that popped up in my memories on Facebook a few weeks ago where I was making reference to it because it looked so much like. The Ferrari, I think it was the F12, was the current car that was similar to it at the time. And yeah, the the C8 has some Ferrari to it, and some you know a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But I think mid-engines better handling, harder to drive. But and then the new uh, Z06 that's all of a sudden popped up in the press in the last seven or eight days. Um, you know. It's one of the reasons I don't know if I would have run out and bought a C8 just to be the first guy on the block. There's going to be a lot of, I think, used C8s becoming a, or C8, guys trading their C8s to become Z06 owners with the, you know, the difference there. And you were talking future and space, I think, you know, the, and the C9, I think the new ZR1, when it finally lands in a year or two, will really push that because that's got to be come out as a hybrid and you know with electric assist in that and it's quite possible that might be the c9 as a performance electric car but oh I I'm, I, I'm i'm speculating oh that that's going to give me a conversation for you as a matter of fact uh we'll talk about when i comes back around to me i i'm i'm pretty stoked to see um i'm pretty stoked to see the the zr1 c8 because the ZR1 C7 was a bad boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh it's a bad boy. I, I got, of course, I've got a couple of friends with them. And yeah, yeah. I, I, again, they were very busy, but they had to be busy so they could stay stuck to the road. So, right. I mean, mm-hmm. and Derek has to remain quiet for these five minutes because 17, he doesn't. 16. <laughs> no, I, I obviously I, I like both cars. I, I like the styling of the C7 when it came out, um, and you know the the styling updates they did with the different um, you know versions of the C7. Uh, but I, I like the styling of the C8 as well, especially in the right color. Um, you okay, you're, you're, it you're, and, we're done. Yeah. Derek, you're up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh C seven or C eight. Um carrying on. No, I'm not allowed to do that. 
All right. Uh, my rant uh, is, and and I know we've, we've talked about it recently, but I was just at one of the concours that Haggerty has purchased, um, which was the Concours of America at St. John in Plymouth, Michigan. And as expected, um, you know, everything was Haggerty branded. It was a Haggerty show. That's all it was. And they've even announced now that they're going to be moving the Concord of America to the DIA property, Detroit Institute of Art, uh, which unless I am not aware of a property that the DIA owns uh, in Detroit, that would suggest that the Concord of America is going to be in downtown Detroit on the streets or in a parking area next year. I'm not aware of a large, uh, you know, open gr- green space that they could have it in. And it just kind of goes back to feeling like Haggerty's trying to take over this collector car hobby and turn it into some kind of weird business model that I'm afraid is going to ruin the car hobby. I'm, I'm really afraid that in, you know, 15, 20 years, we're going to be looking back going, man, like, you know, what would have been different had Haggerty and I bought everything up and changed everything. And I, you know, I was talking to a friend about it today and we even likened it to, you know, collector car auction companies who, who, you know, in some cases are the reason the prices of some of these cars have been driven up so high over the last say 10 to 15 years and everybody's wondering, well, why is the why are certain areas of the collector car market dying, and why aren't people getting into it? Well, it's because they can't afford it anymore. And I don't want to see you know something happen to the hobby in other ways with a company like Haggerty, you know, changing the face of the hobby. I don't know what you guys think about it, but that that's what I saw at the show this weekend, and it was a little disheartening. Let me go to one of the things we talked about in the episode where we kind of talked against Haggerty on this. Um, what kind of uh, vendors were there? Were there other insurance companies? Were they still supportive of their competitors in the industry? Or was it just pretty much, you know, Haggerty every, everywhere, everything? Or how how did it differ from, say, last, well, not last year's, two years ago, or the last concours you were at? Yeah. Uh, Unless I missed something, uh, I did not see any other collector car insurance companies there. Uh, The Haggerty Drivers Club was there. All of the Haggerty branches were represented with trailers, tents, uh, setups. And I saw those normally there, which, of course, that's fine. They're artists. But I I walked around, and unfortunately, it was all in the parking lots because the field was flooded. But I really didn't see much, to be honest. I mean, it was everywhere you looked, it was Haggerty. And yeah, I mean, it's and it a big difference from other ones. I mean, when when I was at Amelia Island uh, two years ago, no, last year, uh, early 2020. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw Grundy there. I saw some of the other companies there, insurance companies. I didn't. Now, I, I've not been. I've been to Meadowbrook. I've never been to the Concord of America at St. John. I don't know what the setup has been in the past, but it definitely did not feel like your normal Concord. 
I've never given, been to a concourse, so I don't know. <laughs> I've given Will. But, but real quick, let's let's say, I mean, I hadn't been to a concourse ever. So are concourse dying? I know if you look at some of the auctions that are happening, the hot rods are doing better than the restoration cars. So are people migrating towards hot rods versus restoration? So Haggerty might have done a good thing by coming in, sponsoring all this stuff, buying this stuff and trying to promote it and get more people back to the, you know, original type of stuff versus a hot rod. I have an Not answer. That that I, I want to see around. that because I'm hot rod. But. I, but Derek has an answer, but maybe we'll have to revisit this. I'm going to throw hot rod classes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Before I got the t- timer reset. Well, we got a comment uh, about six minutes ago, right before Derek went on his, um, what do you call it, um, monologue. Um, Randy Pierce, um, I don't have much say on this one, but limited slip or positive, I guess, positive traction. Will, are you you probably a big one on this? Um, honestly, I don't know much about it, but uh, I'll give it a shot. Um, positive traction is both wheels spinning equal all the time. Limited slip, you know, you've got one. Both of them spin, but, you know, one starts to spin, the other one will pick up, and they'll both spin. Uh, that's that's what I think it is. I mean, we run we run limited slip in everything we build. Uh, we never run a spool or positive traction or whatever you want to call it, where, they're, where both are locked up at all times. It makes it hard to turn, uh, stuff like that. And it's not really hard to turn if you're uh, – you know, driving, but, you know, we do a lot of pushing around here. So, <laughs> um, and you know, like a drag car, you want the power to both rear tires, all of it, you know, and when you got tires, you know, this wide on the back and you turn and they're both locked and one's got to spin faster than the other, it makes it a little tough to, to push a drag car around. So, that helps you. Well, helps I think this goes back. I think this goes back. We had a comment or a question on one of our, our previous episodes. And the answer, I, I truly think the answer a lot of times is, you know, what is the application? Right. You know, yeah. It, it depends on what you're doing with the car, you know, limited slip versus posi traction. Um, you know, are you doing drag racing? Well, yeah, get posi because you're going to put more power to the ground quicker with a posi traction um, in a drag car limited slip, you know, you're going to use that for different purposes. Um, you know, I, so to me, I guess it's a, a, you know, what, what the heck are you using it for is going to be how you get your answer. Now on a street car, like, like, uh, Will saying, you know, uh, posi, posi rear ends are, are kind of hard because you start making hard corners and you get that back end kind of hopping a little bit and you feel it. I mean, think about your four wheel drive trucks when they're locked into four wheel drive and you take a hard turn, you you know, they start jumping on you. Um, so, you know, you're going to want to be going mostly straight line if you're running posi. And that's exactly what I was going to say is it really comes down to your use. Um, you know, if you're drag racing, if you're trying to drive the tail of the dragon as straight as possible, throwback. <laughs> um, maybe you want posi. Um, you know, I, I not only am I a mini truck guy and I'm a CRX guy and all that other stuff, I'm also a, See, I, I, like, I, I like front wheel drive cars. And Posi, I don't think works too well in most applications in front wheel drive either. So the LSD stuff really, um, I think, thinks works better there. But Derek's 
Exactly right. It really depends on the end application and what you're trying to do. Um, you know, I'd want limited slip if I was autocrossing, posi if I was, um, you know, drag racing or um, doing burnouts or um, I don't know. But I want it when I'm doing donuts, probably when I'm doing donuts, too, especially on ice. So I don't know if we can make that one last another minute and a half. Randy, do you have any comebacks or say or yeah. did we get did we get it right? <laughs> Hopefully we successfully avoided answering Randy's question. <laughs> yeah. that's I think all, we did. That's always the goal. <laughs> and and there's always there's always room out there for an open differential as well. We haven't built very yeah. many with open differentials, but you know, there are some running around out there that, that we did build that do have open differential. Matter of fact, this uh this blue truck right here. It's got an open differential. It was built to look like an autocross truck, but it was just really built to drive on the road and really not do much else with it. Just drive and enjoy and not really do burnouts and tear stuff up. And so it's got a it's got an open differential. Of course, the suspension that's under it, you could put a limited slip and, and go autocross it and have fun with it, but that's not what the guy wanted to do. So, you know, why spend, you know, 2500 bucks on a, on a third member when you got one that came in the truck because that was a factory nine inch Ford truck. So we just used the stock third member and away he went. I think that truck's probably got 30,000 miles on it now. So there very you go. good. Very good Love use of the time to get, get up to that uh, five minute mark there. Will <laughs> successful. There we go there. So, so it tosses back to me. Let me get the mouse back over here so I don't cheat anybody, but this came up in a conversation I was involved in earlier this week. I don't think I'm going to make SEMA this year. Um, we'll leave all the politics out of it, but I don't think I'm going to make SEMA this year. But I'm thinking SEMA in five years or seven years, and this does touch a little bit back to what we were talking hybrids. What's SEMA going to be like when all of a sudden high-performance electrics are the things to have? You're going you're gonna to see it this year. It's a, Gonna Holly, see Holly, Holly's probably going to introduce their stuff at SEMA. They've already been kind of throwing some teasers and stuff out there. Uh, but you'll, you're going to start seeing it this year. So I'm going to be able to go to Holly and order uh, an electric controller and electric motors and that for my car? or it? it I, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know any insight on this or anything. Uh, yeah, I don't want you to give but, away any industry secrets that you might know. But um, there, there have been some post out there that Holly is working on some uh, uh, EV stuff. So, yeah. I mean, and and Holly really likes using SEMA as a, you know, introductory to new products, which, you know, that's, that's a big thing about SEMA is their new products. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, EV stuff in the aftermarket starting to really ramp up this year. If it starts ramping up this year in that two years, do you think we get a electrified hall or something at, at SEMA? Or will it just be intermixed? I mean, will it be, yeah. you know, there is a restoration section and there's kind of a truck section. Or will, will a, you know, electric drag racing 69 Camaros be just mixed in with something else with, you know, uh, you know, 502 stuck in it and, and you know, blown 502 or whatever. 
Um, I that I would like to think that if it does get big enough, they'll definitely give them their own section. I mean, the the truck world has gotten huge now. They have their own hall. The new West Hall is nothing. Well, no, there no, there is some automotive detailing stuff in that hall, but most of that whole hall is is nothing but. Um, you know, sport truck accessories and Overland camping stuff. And uh, that's what most of that haul is. So yeah, I could definitely see them getting their own section, somebody creating their own, you know, the hot rod side has a hot rod industry alliance. So there'll be something about EV stuff in there. And yeah, I mean, uh, I hate to say, unfortunately, cause I mean, I'm not an EV guy, but I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind doing something with, with electric, but it's, it's definitely not, uh, not what we do here right now. Oh, it's on its way. Will and, and I would say, in, I'm going to say in five to 10 years, SEMA is going to be very quiet, especially the, uh, the drive out front or you know, the load in load out. It's going to be very quiet. <laughs> a lot I of hope guys, you're wrong. A lot of guys are going to get run over. <laughs> <laughs> I always laughed about that. And my ex-girlfriend, before we started dating many years ago, she even had a blog post where she almost got run over by a Prius. And I'm going, how do you not hear it? And I can't say I have almost been run over, but there have been times that a Tesla's went by and eh, yeah, I guess it was pretty quiet. So uh, it's good. on a nice, smooth, slick conference center hall, I guess, uh, it could they could be virtually silent. Then we get how long till we have hovercrafts there for flying cars, electric flying cars? Well, they they kind of make sense. I, I was just reading about an electric. An electric uh, do they go? There's a company. I don't know if they're selling to the consumer yet, but it's an electric twin prop. You know what is it like a Cessna? You know Cessna with two you know seats four and has twin props on the wings. I don't do airplanes that much. So I apologize, bud, and everybody out there that has their jets and that, or that are listening and I'm, you know, screwing that up. But, you know, I think electric's going to be it for a while. I don't know if it's the end all. It'll probably be the thing till the day I die. But um, I guess we might have, uh, we, we're doing really good about hitting this. That topic. Yeah. <laughs> get, yeah. Getting this to 10 minutes, 10 or five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. So as soon as I get my little dinger here, there we go. All right, I want to I want to jump in before Will because mine kind of ties into that. Okay, and, and it's it's a twofold question. Number one, steam, gas, or electric power, and I need both of you to answer. Go, gas, steam, gas, or electric. What what am I doing? Which would I prefer my Just, car? What what would you prefer? Yeah, for your car to be steam, gas, or electric? I'd probably say electric. All right, cool. So seeing Will went with gas, it's your turn, Will. Um, what – I know your answer to this, so it's going to suck. Uh, you chose <laughs> gas, so are you going piston and cylinder, rotary, or turbine engine? Piston. How would I know? <sighs> are you doing overhead valves or sleeve valves? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's take it even further. There we go. Pneumatically oh, over, over, overhead no one, valve. Why did, why did no one go with steam? Because I know nothing about steam powered anything. Uh, I know you got to have some sort of a fire to make it happen. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a pyro guy. Uh, 
I know how yeah, to work have on to fire though. See, this is where I always say you don't have to have fire, you have to have heat. Well, you gotta have heat. All right, you gotta have heat. So I'm gonna have an electric burner on it. So I've got an electric electric burner in your steam car. Exactly. Now, 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 what happens? And what happens when your electric steam power runs out of juice and runs out of water? Guess what? You're gonna call me in my (laughs) gas-powered vehicle to come get you. So, hey, and I know how to work on mine. I think steam's cool, and it would be a neat novelty car to have. But after 13 years, I think it is, living in Alabama, anything that's going to do introduce more heat to my driving experience, I don't want. And I really don't know how air conditioning is going to work on a steam-powered automobile. Well, you have to remember with a steam, it's you have pistons moving, going up and down. You have a crank, you have a crankshaft. You have everything that you need to have a pulley system to run auxiliary equipment. There's there's a lot you can do with steam engines, and you also have condensing units that you can that you know look like a radiator. You can condense the steam back into water. Yes, you're going to have some loss naturally, and uh, don't take Will's side here, Dan. Um, Come on now. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, an improved steam engine could actually be quite successful. They have a lot of power. They can reach high speeds. Is there anybody who is actually experimenting with that? I know we're talking compressed natural gases and various other. Everybody always talks electric and batteries. But is there anybody who is actually working with a modern steam that we know of? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, offhand, I don't but... think so. I, I just think it's probably too complex and there's too many issues with, you know, lubrication, things like that. You know, I like to play devil's advocate, but, you know, of course, with steam, you you have to have steam lubricant. You have to have all those things go into it to make sure it's not going to cause issues because you're basically using complete water vapor to run something. So corrosion is a, a high factor and, you know, water isn't exactly a lubricant. So. Boy, I'm sure glad this isn't an adult-oriented podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's quickly becoming. I will say that. No. No. I don't know. I'm just going to stick with what I know, and I'm not trying to be closed-minded here. I love learning stuff every day. Uh, I wish I had an old steam engine sitting out back. I could go learn how it operates and make it operate more efficiently and give it more power and and everything else. But, you know, as a... As of right now, gas piston. They're they're great novelties, but and I still I like uh, electric mainly for the technological aspect. I mean, when I again when I've been was shopping cars recently, I was still checking out my ELRs and uh, Chevrolet Volts again, and some of that's conceding to will because I want that an EL a Cadillac ELR and a Chevrolet Volt technically are 100% electric-driven vehicles. They just happen to carry a three-cylinder gasoline motor that is a generator to recharge the batteries. They virtually aren't powered by that motor. Or trans, trans, uh, uh, yep, I'm stuttering. So, <laughs> Who's up now? Will? Will? I guess it's me. All right. Manual transmissions. Why are they disappearing? I mean, all right. 
I understand technology. I get it. All race cars are automatic because they're faster. Kind of like we talked about earlier, you know, it's all about beating your buddy to the finish line, but manual transmissions, why are they leaving? Will we ever see them again? And who will be the last person to offer? What manufacturer will be the last one to offer a manual transmission in a vehicle? Well, you've already answered your question. I mean, we, you know, as technology improves with the automatic transmission, you know, dual clutch, all the different things we've got going on, uh, you know, they're, they're quicker, they're, you know, better on gas mileage, all those things. So of course the major manufacturers are going to just switch over to them because it's going to give the majority of the consumer what, you know, the consumers buying the car, what they want. Those of us that still want manual transmissions in our vehicles are the, the minority in the world right now. And, you know, it's, it sucks because they're doing that. Um, and I, I also think that, you know, if we'd go back to manual transmissions, maybe we'd have stop having some of the issues we're having on the road. Because if you actually have to drive your car by manually shifting the transmission, paying attention to what you're doing, uh, you wouldn't have time to hold your phone and try to text and call people because you'd be too busy actually driving a vehicle rather than just essentially, um, you know, co-piloting it down the road. And I say co-piloting because the car is doing most of the work. You're just making sure it's pointed in the right direction and you're giving it the right amount of throttle. Um, you're, you're talking like a young in there, Derek. Um, I yeah, distinctly remember, distinctly remember the in high school. Be sitting here saying, "Why do I don't need a driver's license? I can walk and take public transportation." That's what uh, millennials do. Uh, yeah, there's one of those in this house. Um, no, <laughs> but no, I distinctly remember in. I'm going to say just after high school, so it kind of stays legal. Cruising Main Street, driving around, CRX, five-speed manual transmission. Cell phone in one hand, changing CDs with one hand, eating a burger and smoking a cigarette and drinking a dr drink all at the same time. You know, you had your Pepsi stuck between your legs and you had your cigarette in your hand and you're eating a burger. And no, that the manual transmission doesn't prevent those driver distractions. It adds another challenge to the game. I remember me doing it. I remember my buddy Pat doing it. He was he had a little. Um, 84 four-speed Chevette. Um, he was that way. I want to say my buddy Will with his Pontiac T1000. I mean, it, that, I got that, was, beat. that was I got a, normal. I got a I got an uncle with one arm that was doing that with a manual five-speed. <laughs> <laughs> bad, badass. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's it. <clears throat> I think manuals are going away mainly because of the laziness of the drivers and that I don't and I, I really thinking that and I'm going to throw this mini that I've owned for a couple of weeks now it's got a seven speed dual clutch in it so it's effectively an automatic and uh, so many mini guys talk about oh I want a manual I want a manual and not a chance um, I like the seven speed dual clutch it shifts well when I want to shift it when I don't want to shift it it's fine <clears throat> I'm not a I, I should be an advocate for manuals. I don't care if my car's manual. I want a car that gives me fun and pleasure when I'm driving it. 
and I realize that I'm basically 50 years old and I don't want to really force myself. All right. To, I got to get the that. final say in this. All right. I'm a manual <laughs> transmission guy. Most of the cars out in the shop are manual transmissions. And I was super stoked to see that Tremec upgraded their five speed. They've got a brand new five speed out called the TKX. So at least somebody is putting some time and effort into keeping the straight shift transmission alive. Thank you, Tremec, for, for doing it and, uh, and keep it up and don't let it die. That new one in the new Mustang uh, Mach 1 is supposed to be a heck of a manual. Okay, I'm going to throw in, and I'm going to kind of jump on the same um, <clears throat> bandwagon Derek was, and we've addressed this many times on the show, and it's getting to be more and more prevalent, and that's the overtaking of the automobile. At what point do we say stop, or is it literally we just become passengers? <clears throat> you just answered the question, because the overtaking of the automobile is just slowly adapting the human race to self-piloting cars. And we're going to, you know, pods as in the term being used is pods, um, you know, that we climb in and they just automatically take us wherever they're programmed to take us. You know, we get in and say, I need to go to work. <laughs> Off to work you go. Uh, I need to go to the grocery store. <laughs> Off to the grocery store you go. I need to drive off a cliff. <laughs> Off the cliff you go. Uh, you know, that's that's what the overtaking of, of the industry is, in, in my but opinion. At, at that point in time, why even buy a car? Why don't you just use Uber or Lyft or or something I, like that? I honestly think that's what it's going to come to. And it's, it's one of the, like Judge Dredd or something kind of covered that in a movie 30 years ago, that you'll just get out your phone, you'll push a button, two or three minutes later, the car will pull up in front, you'll get in it, You'll have already told it where it's going, and it's just going to bill you, just like Uber, for taking you somewhere. And then when you go to leave, you know, the grocery store or whatever, all of a sudden, you know, you come back and something else. Uh, I guess when you use shipped or something to have your target order or your grocery order delivered, it'll probably be just a pilotless car. Somebody will, some robot will do your grocery shopping, put it in the pilotless car, and the the thing will drive itself over and there's a couple of places in this company country that are that allow driverless cars right now as an experiment so you know how, we, could make, we, we could make this really cool because if we had driverless cars there is a greater chance that night rider could actually exist night rider is it existed a long time ago what are you talking about but I mean, in reality, not on a he's, TV show. He's been here. Have you not been to any World of Wheels in the last 15 years? Night Rider's here. You know what I mean. What are you talking about? You're delusional, Derek. You are delusional. Night Rider. Kit is real. Kit is real. And yes, Elvis, I is, Elvis is, real. is still alive and Kit is real. There you go. And it was unfortunate when Carr passed away. The Hoff <laughs> will be happy. Don't hassle the Hoff. He's going to be happy that there's driverless cars. So, so that raises another question. Driverless cars, who's going to insure them? Haggerty? Oh. 
Well, in theory, they won't need to be insured because they should not crash into each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's and since they will all be owned by some entity, probably Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Or Haggerty. Or Hag- or McKeel. <laughs> um, will there be a need for insurance? Because I'm sure that app that you called the car with has a disclaimer that if you were injured during this transport, you can they cannot be held liable. Yeah, but I guarantee you, there's a lawyer out there that'll win that. See, yeah. Instead of instead Zucker, of ambulance, Zucker instead of ambulance tracers. Car radio? <laughs> I want to hear. Were you injured by a driverless car? Right, exactly. There, there's not. It's not ambulance chasers oh, no, anymore. It's driverless car chasers. I, I can already see that that ad in 10 years as this technology comes. Were you injured by, you know, I mean, enough Teslas are hurting people when they're in autonomous mode, even though they don't, quote, have autonomous mode. But I'm just tired of all the overtaking. It was so nice to get the Mini, and it doesn't have the blind spot detection, which I love so much in my last three or four Fords. But the Mini doesn't have it, and I have to use my mirrors. And there's it, while I don't want the manual transmission, I do like the ability to actually have to use a mirror to make a lane change. I was so dreading that, but hey, I can... Hand signals. <laughs> Rain, I, Randy I, said I, it I, right. Call Alexander Shinara. No, there you I, I've got cool British flag tail lights in mine. Who's up oh, next? Look. All right. So carrying on in that vein, kind of continuing from that discussion, when we either go all electric or all driverless car, what happens to all the classic and antique cars that we love and want to drive on the road? What do we do with them? We're still well, going to drive them on the road. We've talked about that before, and I think it's going to be just like horses. John, you laid out the rules in the beginning, as long as it wasn't asked on this show, not, I know. not on this episode. Not what uh, I, I was just saying, we I'm going to repeat what we've said in previous shows, that it's going to be just like the horse. The horse used to be on every road and all of that. And yeah, they're still permitted on the roads. And I think gas-powered vehicles will be till the point they become a nuisance. Not that a horse on the road isn't a nuisance. Sorry, horse lovers out there. But cars are going to end up going to racetracks and these country clubs. And they are, just like horses, going to be toys of the wealthier or the privileged. Not necessarily the rich because there's still middle class people with horses. And there will be still middle class people with cars. But they will be used in controlled environments. There won't be public use of them you you know see i totally just i I disagree you might keep it at your house but your electric tesla truck or your electric ribbon ribbon we'd like to have you on the show um or riven i can't remember how it's pronounced we another reason we'd like to have you on the show you know you would it would pilot you to the racetrack with your car you had it your petrol powered automobile to the racetrack so that's where where i think it's going to become they're just going to be you know Toys. Can I just say no, the, 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 well played horse because you used to tow vehicles. Now you're loaded into trailers and towed by people. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, I disagree. I, I think that the, you know, the hot rod crowd, the antique automobile crowd, the whole point of having them is getting out and driving your vehicle. 
And if the government shuts down you being able to drive a vehicle, man, it it, it that's going to be bad. But, that, but you said that, it earlier in this episode, and I said, well, there's one of them in, in this house. He does not. He just turned 17. Yeah, but that won't, ain't won't, all won't of even, them. Won't even pick up a, a driver's ed book. There well, wasn't there, there wasn't anybody in my high school class at 16 that did not want to get their driver's license. And he's not the only one in his class. And I think as we go progress through the years, there's going to be more and more of them. Now, his logic drives me nuts in that it's, why do I need to get a driver's license? You guys drive me everywhere. Well, the logic will be, why do I need to get a driver's license? The car takes me everywhere. So... That, yeah, but, it's not going to be an immediate thing, but I'm betting in 20 years, there's not going to be that desire to get driver's license as we have the self-driving cars. See, I, I disagree. I couldn't disagree more. I, okay. Yeah. There's, there's, don't get me wrong. I've got some cousins and stuff that, you know, grew up in cities and they didn't get their license till they were 17, 18 years old. Matter of fact, I've got a guy that works for me. His daughter, I think, 17, and she doesn't have her license yet. And, and I, I mean, I see it. I see it every day. Well, I mean, in New York, but there, New York City, think that's about, very common. You think about all of the younger guys that are going to car shows that do like cars. You know, go to a good guy's event. I'm, I'm, I'm not the young crowd anymore. There's, there's, there's a crowd coming up that's a good bit younger than I am, you know, and – Seeing that happen is is awesome, and there's always a bunch of kids at car shows running around, and it it don't take everybody wanting to drive a car. It just takes a lot of people liking old cars, and that and that's the case. I mean, go to SEMA, go to any major car show this year. Good guys have broke attendance records at almost every event this year. I know they did in Columbus. I know they did in Nashville. I know they did in Des Moines. So. That's not just old guys getting out and going. It's young guys, too. And we'll fight for this un- un- until we're dead and gone. And if you're going to take my old cars from me and not let me drive down the road, it- it's going to be really bad and really, really ugly. You I'm can take quickly... his life, but you cannot take his Lexus. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Kim's probably right. Uh, we're going to... Uh... Insurance companies are here forever, just like uh, lawyers, and I can't think of the other guys that are going to be here forever. Uh, uh, accountants, lo- accountants, lawyers, and so. And uh, I believe Randy must be a friend of Will's, or Will's paying him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I think Will's got him a check. Will, what Thank you, you want to throw? What you want to throw out there? We're about ready to wrap it up, so you could could end up with the last topic here. I want the I want the last question, so what? it'll be a quick one after. No, it'll no, 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 no. You're else. the one who changed the order. You would have had the last question. You blew it. <laughs> what what you Restart got? Restart the timer for Will. <laughs> um, now nah, go ahead, go ahead, Derek. I was just gonna give you. No, a- no, no. Mine's a joke, so just keep going. Okay, all right. Well, um. Speaking of uh, uh, Randy there, um, one of the things that drives the hot rod industry now is uh, CAD drawings and CNC machine and everything in-house and, and stuff like that. And, you know, 
I haven't been in a restoration shop in a long time, but I can imagine that it's probably kind of going that way for those guys as well, trying to replicate original parts that you can't get manufactured anymore. And, you know, the cost of that is just completely crazy. And, you know, Big Oak is moving in a direction to start manufacturing a lot of our own one-off parts. Cause you know, we're not, we're not a parts manufacturer. We're a car manufacturer really. And building those one-off parts, the cost of it, the time it takes to get it done. And everybody I know that is, is in the industry that's doing that type of work is completely slammed. So, you know, I know John worked at, at Barber for a while for a long while. And, and is that something that y'all ran into too, is trying to get parts machine that you had to get, or did y'all do it in house or we know, did a 3D, lot of it. 3d printing's a big thing too. You know, we did a lot of it in house, but at the time I was there, the thought process was if you have to make more than one of them, CNC is the way to go. But if you only have to make that part once, which a lot of the things we're working on a one-on-one bike or one-on-one Lotus or whatever, you're only going to have to make that part once. It's easier to actually make it by hand than it is CNC. Now, I posted something on my Facebook earlier this week that looked like a bunch of gothic weapons that were in flat sheet metal. And once those were all folded up into pieces, they made engine mounts. But we did that all on the water jet and such and CNC because they required slight adjustment and slight adjustment. I mean, we probably cut them 10 times, but if we had to make them individually every single time, instead of being three days work, it would have been weeks worth of work. So at this point, Barber's is going big into it. They've got a whole dedicated floor now. Um, to CNC and to 3D printing and bringing schools in to help educate them. And I don't know the scope of the program. I've just heard about it from some of my old co-workers. So it's moving that way. And when I was doing the historical conservation, we were, and that was 15 years ago, 14 years ago, something. And we were doing some of that already when it came to replicating pieces for statues and sculptures and um, things for, you know, the Saturn V and things like that. So it was a... We had to draw... um, We had to do a CNC machine project in college um, in in 2000. I was at the little thing in that front. There was that little printer or something in the front. It it was a little old bitty, you know... Like CNC machine. When you went into the middle doors of Templeton, it was in the room just to the right there yep. across yep. We from. We had to write the program, and I I, and, I remember doing that. That reminds yeah. me back in the '96 when I was doing modern automotive tech classes. The, uh, Mr. Thorpe, John Thorpe, big Chrysler guy, drove a Daytona Turbo Z. He was talking about this new thing, and we had to do a paper utilizing information we only found on the internet because he felt the internet was going to become something major in the world and it would be a skill that would come in handy. So good for him. Well, (laughs) you know, and I'm going to disagree with, with, with John on one thing. If you got to make one and it's not complicated part, then yes, it's easier to make it by hand. But if you're making a dash bezel, for a 61 Impala that is extremely complicated, 
you almost have to have that part CNC machine. Don't get me wrong. There's some guys out there that could hand whittle that piece out. Um, but time wise, you're saving money and time by having that part uh, CAD designed and then and then either 3D printed, test fit, and then and then machine it than you are just to make it out of you know hand one time. Go there. And my answer is yes. Well, I'm going to go a little bit long. I'm going to go a little bit long because yes. I'm going to throw a lob out there because I'll whoa, agree whoa, whoa, a lot. Whoa, whoa. I'm going to agree already, a lot with Will. Enough time, John. You've already taken up enough time. I haven't even gotten a chance to answer this. Well, we talk about it. <laughs> well, I'm just going to throw this insult out there, Will. The main reason we were thinking we said that is the uh, kind of the whole shop manager. He felt he wasn't very versed on CNC and that. And he would be over tech to be as he was a hand machinist. So I got you. But I got you. <laughs> now, now go ahead, Derek. We'll take a couple of minutes. We're going to let this one go long, and uh, we'll we might do one more five minute thing to make you happy. Well, no, I was I was basically just going to agree with John. You know, I mean, my background restoration and conservation. It's the way everything's going in conservation. We were having parts three D, you know, scanned three D printed. Uh, you know, but there were also the times, and I've talked about it on the show before, I think, you know, uh, the only car left in existence, you know, the Sandusky truck at the Crawford Auto Aviation Museum, at least the only one we know to exist. You know, the carburetor on it was unique. It couldn't find another carb, that carburetor in existence anywhere. And a couple of the parts were wrong on it. So go over to lathe, put a piece of, you know, throw a chunk of brass in and turn up the knobs you need for the carburetor. And that's, you know, I, I spent half a day making parts to get the carburetor working. And it's just the way, I mean, every restoration shop I know, especially if you're in antique cars or classic, you know, well, more so antique, a lot of the classic cars you can find parts for still, you get into the early stuff, you're, you're going to be making parts and, and you're not going to be going out and buying them and finding them. You're going to be 3D scanning and printing. and So what yeah. about, um, you know, sand casting? I mean, uh, I know that's an old technology. If you, were, if you were in the restoration side of things, would you lean more towards casting or would you lean more towards machining? Because, you know, all the stuff back then was really cast. Cast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it depends on the part because I've seen some guys do some really cool stuff. Um, you know, a lot of the early transmissions are made out of, you know, or crankcases are made out of aluminum. And it's it's not a great alloy of, alum, of aluminum. There's too much aluminum in it and it can right. be weak. Uh, and I've seen guys make up aluminum weldments, uh, you know, that are the transmission case and they make it exactly the way it should be as a weldment and then they basically um you know needle it the outside of it until like it looks look, like yeah. sand casting yep and i mean I remember, you, could, you can pass that by people i mean it looks just like a sand casting but so does, the that cool part it, is, does that make it a hot rod <laughs> it's modified but yeah with with 3D, the, the 3D, you know, scanning and printing. The cool thing there is that you can actually 3D scan a part, uh, you know, actually calculate your shrinkage, you know, factor into that, actually make that scan a slight bit bigger. And then when you go to do the casting, so long as you get the, the shrink rate correct, 
you know, you basically don't have to worry about figuring. I mean, that's you've got your 3D printed part that you can make your mold off of and have it be exactly the way you need mm -hmm. it. Uh, that, so that's, this, this technology is is going to improve things. That's what we did is and that what's the nice thing is the expensive thing about casting is making the mold, creating the mold process and that pouring the metal. I mean, I mean, Will, we did that in college and we weren't the most intelligent people in the world. <laughs> but when you you 3D print your pattern to go like Derek says and adjust it for your shrinkage factors and that. And then you make the mold, you know, you make it, you pour the part. If it's slightly wrong, all you've got to do is go back and change a couple of numbers and reprint the part at, to adjust for that shrinkage, melt the part down that you just cast, pour it back in, and boom, you're done. It's If it's a cast part originally, I don't, you can't really, to me, exactly replicate that casting, but creating molds, which is the most expensive part about casting things is not that complicated now. And I mean, I've got a 3D printer in this office. I got a laser engraver. I got a CNC in the garage. So me as a, you know, a, a poor guy in Birmingham, I've got the tech. So it's not out of reach of anybody or any shop anymore. Mm -hmm. All right. So last, last question. Tonight's, uh, tonight's title is Round Robin. How do we feel about the Reliant Robin? A lot of them become round as they roll and roll and roll. <laughs> oh, Lord. I never even thought of the Reliant Robin. I was looking for a, a actually a Robin, the bird, to put on the graphic for the show tonight. But um, I think you're going to have to use a Reliant Robin now. Now I've already created the graphic. It's going to be whatever was on the post earlier. Ugh, what a waste. Yeah. Damn lazy art, art graphic artists we have on the show. Yeah, man, what an ugly well, car! Hey, it's got three wheels, which really sucks when you go into you know Montgomery Wards and they got to buy three, get one free tire special. <laughs> <laughs> you got a spare? Come on. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. It was a, a different take. We covered, I don't know, ten or eleven different topics really quick. Um, if you've got ideas, what we'd love to do is sit down with 10 of your suggestions and use our infinite wisdom here and our decades of experience to just totally make a mockery of your suggestion. But I uh, know we really would love to hear what questions you have. We've got a couple. I had pulled a couple from a previous episode in case we got light tonight, but we, we seem to hold it in. So this might be another uh, thing that we add to the new format. So did you guys enjoy it tonight, guys, or was it a waste of your time? No, it was I... fun. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was all right. That's I mean, very... Will's answers were pretty bad. Yeah. Well, a fruit gasoline, point. gasoline cars, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Who would want that old technology crap, right? Well, I think that's going to be it for, for, for tonight. Remember, um, somewhere around here, I got some buttons to push. Uh, down there scrolling, you know, but just heck with it. Go to nodrivinggloves.com, links to every episode, buy us a coffee there, find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram's very live. I hope you're really enjoying the taking Derek suggestion from two episodes ago. Tomorrow in automotive history so that you can be well-versed and you can be 
everybody else who's literally copying word for word from the internet. At least I try to put some creativity in it, some misspellings, use of incorrect words at times, as Derry pointed out about today's yeah, you post. You can tell it's actually being generated by John. It's not just copy paste. <laughs> yep. So that's it for tonight. Hope everybody had a good time. I'm out of here. Adios.